the Faith Sides Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 15th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 10th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to begin this week's podcast, and I'm excited now that we are after Labor Day weekend. We are moving into that time of the year where now the growth phase of Pentecost is kind of starting to intermingle with the beginning of the education year within more of the church proper, if you want to put it that way. The idea of typically this is when you have a lot of Sunday school or Christian ed of some form or fashion starting this Sunday. And I will say, Looking at the text this week, it's both a very difficult text to be talking about that with, but also a very rewarding text to be talking about that with, because I think in a lot of ways, there's a lot of ways that this can be crafted to be able to talk about this type of stuff and being able to look at how we continue to grow throughout the whole year. And yes, when we're in this phase from September to May, at least here in the United States, the typical Christian education year There is a different feel, a different tonality, a different pacing to it. But I think, especially when we're looking at the text this week, there's some good reminders for all of us to be getting into and thinking about. But before we do that, we have to look at last week's question, which was, where are you being called to continue moving forward even though you're reluctant? And one of the responses I got back this week was talking about how we can see this all around us. We can see that nature is starting to prepare, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, for the migration moving south. But also the idea of sometimes we're reluctant to do things too. And this person brought up being one of those people who is helping lead some type of younger person Christian ed. So confirmation or leading like a Wednesday school, Sunday school type of thing. And I think it's also a good plug and especially being a director of children, youth and family ministries to whom my plug of you should really consider helping those people out and giving them a leader It's amazing how often we are in need of leaders, which makes our job more difficult. So strongly consider at least helping those people out. And you might be amazed at how much you end up learning along the way. So I think there is that point of the friction points within our faith, the different things that sometimes we're hesitant, we don't feel we're going to be good at, the things that we wonder, am I really qualified to do these types of things? is sometimes where God is calling us and pushing us into. And I think when we look here into this week, I think we're going to see that echoed a little bit again this week. So let's just jump into it. One of your Old Testament texts that you can look at is from Exodus chapter 12, the first 14 verses. We're skipping ahead quite a bit here that Moses has been talking to Pharaoh And things have made agreements and Pharaoh keeps breaking them. And we've gotten to the breaking point, quite literally here, where the Lord commands Moses that start telling the tribe of Israel to prepare for what we know now as the Passover. The passing over of taking these spotless lambs and the blood from that and putting it on the posts of the home so that the angel of death would pass over those homes. But one of the things that I did enjoy in Working Preacher that they brought out this week is coming from verse 3 and verse 4. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb to each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportions to 
to the number of people who eat it. And then it gets into the exact way of how to be preparing this, how you you have to be eating it with Gurns loited and being ready to go and talking about how the angel of death will pass over. And it's this is a sign of how God is remembering all these things that have happened and the pain that people have gone through. But I think it is also important here to point out how if one is too small to be welcoming in someone else. And that will kind of be a little bit of a theme this week. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 149, all nine verses of it. This is a praise psalm. This is praising God for all the amazing things that he has done, the assembly of people, that he is the maker, that he is the one that we dance and we sing for, we pull out the tambourines and the lyre. We take pleasure in recognizing all the amazing things that God has done around us and recognizing that this is a hand that can destroy but also provides. And in doing that, living in that in-between, recognizing the power of that but the thankfulness of that gives us something to be cheerful about and recognizing that that's not our decision for, that's for God and that's a freedom that comes with that. The other alternative Old Testament text this week is out of Ezekiel chapter 33 verses 7 to 11. This is kind of in the middle of Ezekiel and it's kind of the tipping point of the book as Ezekiel has been foretelling things to happen and this is the chapter that starts to recognize that that Babylon has taken completely over and in doing so the tribe of Israel is kind of fallen away from God completely. But it's this recognition at this moment that Ezekiel is giving us of we are called to be like guards for the house of Israel and that we are working together in that to be able to make sure that we are hearing for God and when we hear the words from God and what we're supposed to be doing, that we then fulfill those, that we are then doing those. And as God does this, God doesn't take pleasure in death. God takes pleasure in this life that comes from that with us having this open communication and thus being able to not only work together with God, but work together as a community to be able to understand the messages of what God is trying to convey to us. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40. And this is then that recognition of that. Teach me your way, O Lord, the way of your statutes, that I will observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the paths of your commandments, for I delight in it. This idea of recognizing that this is the life that we are given is through what God is able to provide. And so in doing so, that we take those moments to get into those uncomfortable positions to be able to be led where we need to be at, even if it's not necessarily where we would initially think. The epistle text or New Testament text this week is out of Romans chapter 13 verses 8 to 14. This text is recognizing that we need to be caring and loving for each other and it reflects it in the commandments coming from verse 9. You should not commit adultery, you should not commit murder, you should not steal, you should not covet. And love your neighbor as yourself. This idea that in order for us to fulfill the law of what God and as what has been given to the people, we need to be able to live in community with each other, recognizing that in that, that means we need to care about others. 
And that's a hard thing sometimes for us to do, but that also means that we need to live in an honorable way that we're able to work together and be able to build each other up instead of tearing each other down. Instead, put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This idea that we are called to something greater than ourselves is what verse 14 is pulling out of us. This idea that we have visions and looking forward to something greater than where we are at currently. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 to 20. This is a difficult text. This is not an easy text. This is a text that kind of has a little bit of feels from the last few weeks, but it's the idea of how the church is supposed to be working together and that if we're seeing faults within different people within the congregation, that we are pulling them aside and talking about that. And as we are pulling them aside and talking about that, that if there's still bickering, that maybe we bring a few more in and recognizing that we are trying to work together as one big, broad community. And sometimes that's hard. And this is where we get the reminders to help keep the narrow path that we're trying to walk. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And this is then we get this idea of recognizing that the Father is trying to lead all this and that we are trying to do that. And then the verse that will probably be preached on the most, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This idea and recognition that no matter the situation, that God is always there in and amongst us in the midst. And as I've stated before, one of the things I really enjoy about the idea of two or three is you have the human self and the spiritual self. And that's, to me, two people inside of one. And so there is a point where it's stating two or three are gathered a.k.a. no matter if you are fighting with your flesh versus your spiritual self, God is already there. So I think that's just absolutely incredible. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do shameless plugs. Full. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction, some different ideas to be able to listen to biblical scholars talk about and how are they thinking about and looking at these texts. So if you haven't checked out the commentaries and the great resources that are all over at workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Dictionary coming from Vanderbilt's Vinny Library. I really like how they lay out the text week to week, but also having the art to be able to see how different people have looked and interpreted these texts artistically, which is amazing. Prayers, hymns, colors, all these different things to be able to help prepare you for the upcoming week and being able to think about these texts. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Dictionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend it. Finally, I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publication. These weekly reflections or newsletters help give some ideas about different things that are going on, but also being able to bring in some ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies talking about these texts week to week. If you enjoy listening to my podcast week after week, I'd highly recommend signing up for these newsletters down below to be able to be part of that. As I've plugged before, I will be writing something for this newsletter later this year. So look forward to that. I'll give more details as that's coming up, but it should be an extremely exciting time. So if you haven't checked out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising publication, I'd highly recommend both of those resources. Sometimes 
I think we can all agree living in a community is hard. And that's where I think at times we're able to use what we know in science and being able to reflect that back on ourselves to give us a little bit more clarity. And I feel that this week is one of those weeks in a weird way. So this week we are going to talk about community ecology. How do different populations of different creatures interact with each other to be able to have an ecosystem? Now, one of the things that I found really interesting, and I think it's a good jumping off point, but also a point we'll come back to, that Hank Green brought up about biology, is that there are two points to anything that's living according to biology. It is one, to reproduce, to be able to spread your genes on to the next generation. And two, don't die. The longer you're able to live, the longer you're able to spread those genes out and thus being able to inhabit the world, if you want to put it that way. So in doing that, the world is naturally in this place of competition because we all, be it humans and non-human alike, are competing for resources. And in this type of competition, there's sometimes where it's more direct, there's sometimes it's more indirect. Anytime we're having competition, it's due to that there's some type of limiting factor. So like within a forest and a tree falls, multiple things spring up because there is a competition for that sunlight. The more I can grow, the bigger I can get, the more I can absorb this resource and drown out everything else would be one example of that. So within that, you naturally have competition. And what can happen is competition exclusion, a.k.a. if you and something else are competing in something, if given enough time, one of you will be better at competing versus something else, and thus, given again enough time and none of the conditions changing, one will win and the other will lose. It's that straightforward. So if given enough time and an endless summer, you would have potential of getting your yard into one species of grass. It's very possible that it could outcompete absolutely everything else. And if the resources and everything stayed the same, that it would be able to have one species control the whole thing. Very possible. You could have the same thing with a forest or again, if everything stayed the same, you could have something that outcompetes absolutely everything. Now, if we're remembering, though, our first two rules of biology, trying to reproduce and not die, there are times that when you are in competition, it's better to figure out ways to reduce the amount of infighting to be able to allow for both to do well, maybe just not as optimally. So when you're trying to survive and you're getting into those competitions, you're trying to find your niche, aka trying to find something that you're good at, that you're able to outcompete other people in. And in doing that, it will allow you to be more successful. So your fundamental niche would be the ideal situation that you are designed and built, and it would be perfect for you to do. That in a perfect world, you would be able to work at the most optimal situation for whatever that creature is or yourself, you would be able to just thrive and grow abundantly. But let's be honest, even in our idealized world, that's not typically how things work. 
typically where we more fall in a line is the realized niche, where it's not ideal, but it's something we can do to make ends meet. Think of it as the college student who gets the degree, but doesn't immediately get into the field that they're looking at. There are other skills and abilities that they're able to do to help make ends meet as they continue to strive for those goals. In all of this, we are trying to figure out how can we partition things? How can we do resource partitioning or being able to allocate different things to be able to allow for multiple things to exist. So take, for instance, like wobblers. There is a lot of different types of wobblers and a lot of times have the same type of ecosystems and the same type of things that they're looking for, where they are going to do ecological resource partitioning is maybe they're using different parts of the tree. So some more on the outside, some more on the inside, some more near the top, some near more the bottom. Also on top of that, they're probably going to have their young at slightly different times so that when they're trying to get that abundance of resources, the other birds aren't competing for those same resources. Thus, being able to coexist while having very similar niches that they're all trying to find, but being able to partition it a little bit differently. And one of the other things that we can even see in this is that if things change within an ecosystem, that we have character displacement. AKA, you have some characteristic that you would do and were decent at, but something comes in and it's better at it than you. Or it makes more sense for them to be doing. You need to change your situation to where you are. So for instance, if you talk to me at ages 16 to 18, I think one of the features that I would bring up to you is that I was an athlete. I was a high school athlete. I played in multiple sports in high school. Now being the age that I am, over 10 years removed from high school, I wouldn't immediately say that I'm an athlete. I would say I like being outside, I like being active, but I wouldn't say that I'm an athlete because I'm not at that level. There's people who are, bodies are in better places to be able to be athletic as I've gotten older and there's certain things that aren't as limber as they once were or aren't able to take that grind as well as I did when I was 18. So this character displacement on changing some of the core principles of who I would say that I am is within that. So within all of this stuff, when you're having a community, there is definitely times where we have mutualism, where we find things where you're good at this, I'm good at this, and we can figure out ways to work together to make that happen. So for instance, there might be things where, let's say, I am good at being able to give you this podcast week after week, and it's something that you really enjoy. And one of the things that I really enjoy is getting comments back from people being able to hear and listen to the questions. And it's, I would say it's a mutualism relationship. I'm able to give you this podcast to help you dig deeper into these texts. Meanwhile, I love getting the responses back. One, to be able to know that there's other people listening on the other end of this microphone. But two, to be able to hear how are you understanding and interpreting these podcasts and what are you thinking about to be able to have that correspondence a little bit back and forth and make me think about things in different ways. Thus, it's a mutualism type of relationship. Or we're looking for commensalism type of relationships. Commensalism being that one benefits and the other one's kind of indifferent. So an example of this would be like barnacles on whales. The barnacles get a lot of benefit being able to be brought through all this water and potentially brought to feeding resources, whereas the whale 
Maybe it provides camouflage. Maybe it hurts aerodynamics, but it doesn't seem to really bug the whale at all. And it doesn't seem to have any direct benefit for a whale to have barnacles on it. So we're looking for those types of natural relationships to be able to grow. What's the downside if we don't have these types of relationships? And I think the easy one actually to look at that's been in the news within the last month is the Maui fires. One of the big resources that they're talking about that was the issue was invasive grass species, specifically guinea grass. Part of it being that during the wet season with having proper sunlight, it can grow upwards to six inches a day, getting to the point where it grows 10 feet plus tall. And then during the drought, with it being able to outcompete the other native resources there, it provides a lot of fire capabilities. And being that there are some of these species that are somewhat fire dependent on growth, and that it's not grown there natively, it doesn't have necessarily the fire resistance that it potentially otherwise would have because it's native to somewhere else, and it hasn't grown up in this community. It hasn't been able to find these relationships to be able to, how do the natives work with this? It allowed for fire to go rampant, and it actually, I'll attach news stories and different science articles talking about, this was something that was being warned about years in advance. And it's actually kind of sad looking at now. We need to, and this is where I would argue, and especially within the world climate, but specifically the political climate here in the United States, this shows how much we need to be in relationship with each other. We need to be able to communicate with each other and recognizing that God is in those conversations, even if we're not agreeing, bringing people in so that we're seeing different things. And maybe we don't get to a point of, necessarily agreeing, but being able to at least get people to question and think about things and not immediately just put up their guards, but being able to have the deep critical thoughts to make sure that we're making good comprehensive decisions. How are we going to do that? That's where Romans comes in. It means that we need to be honorable in who we are. And by doing that, we need to be able to show love and care for each other. We need to be able to be listening like Ezekiel talked about and be willing to hear the messages that are from others and being able to filter those through and still be actively listening for God to help guide us in that and being able to hear who those messengers are but also being able to work together as a community, like in Exodus. That when there's difficult things that are coming up, that we're able to work together as a community to be able to get through it. Being able to work together, my family isn't big enough to eat a lamb, come and join me and we'll split and share. Are we as church communities doing this well? Are we modeling what we're talking about here well? If the faith is so important, are we modeling that for our kids and being that, putting ourselves in the positions to be able to potentially help lead or participate within that as one example? Are we willing and able to recognize different dangers that are coming up and try to do preventative care, like what could have been done a little bit more with guinea grass and other invasive grass species? And they are talking about one of the news articles Hawaii was not the only place where that's a risk, especially the Southwest. There's definitely some spots that are under the same type of thing because, again, these invasives have come in and they haven't built the community the same way. Being from the United States, I think one of the things that I am noticing as we're talking about like specifically community ecology 
is how we as a country right now are really struggling with that first word, community. Being able to see differently, but still being able to work together. And it's amazing here in this Matthew text that that's what we're calling out and recognizing that people might not see the same way as I do, but they're at least trying to make me aware of something to the way that they're seeing it and making sure that we're reflecting and thinking about it but recognizing being able to see that God is in those conversations, that Jesus is there in and amongst those conversations, and so thus we shouldn't be attacking the same way. We are all trying to work and compete, but also work as a community together. See, that's where we can't look at this purely biologically. Purely biologically says one wins, one loses, and just don't die in the process. That's where the Romans text of saying, But the love aspect is so important. The love and care that we are supposed to have for each other that has been gifted to us to be able to share in and amongst us and being able to, yes, it's because I love you that I'm questioning and wanting to make sure that you're at least thinking about these things and making sure that you aren't just totally missing this. And I agree that maybe we won't see eye to eye on all these issues, but I'm just wanting to calmly, lovingly, talk to you about this and have a conversation, not just accuse, but to work together with. When we look at how ecosystems have worked, how we're able to have resource partitioning, it's through working together. It's through recognizing the different abilities that are great in people and other places where we're weaker so that we can allow all of these to work together. To be able to help try getting us out of realized niches and move us closer to fundamental niches for all of us, if possible. To be able to work together to create a cohesive ecosystem that all can thrive. We as people really struggle with that idea. We as people struggle with having the idea of being able to pull each other aside or being able to talk about things or heck, how often we want to just lead and not talk and not communicate or ask why. But in doing that, it might be creating more heartache and actually making things harder and making it so that we are going closer to competition exclusion where one will win, one will lose, and who knows what's going to shake out because of that. Instead, if we're able to work together to more have resource partitioning or being able to recognize character displacement within all of us, how we are continuing to evolve and change as we grow on this planet as we continue to spin around in the sun, that in doing that, we might be able to grow into something new. We also have to realize within character displacement, character displacement happens because something new comes in. So if that new is removed, they might go back to it. It means that you have to continue to be open to different possibilities. You have to continue to be looking for opportunities, realizing that I might not do something now, but I might come back to it again is hard. But that's how ecosystems work. And we're part of one. And the church is a whole nother ecosystem in and of itself that we're trying to work in. And that's where it gets sticky. And like I talked about three years ago, yes, we have herd mentality and there's good things with herd mentality. Because it helps us keep safe, it helps us keep alert, it has more eyes for protection. So we thus need to be able to recognize that. We need to be able to recognize all these different things, but being able to recognize the gifts and abilities that each of us have and get us closer to those niches. 
And if we have too many people in one niche might be able to work on, okay, we need to develop that niche that we're missing, but some people need to go into this realized niche to be able to help all of us be able to survive here. And these are not easy things. It's much easier to talk about it biologically, especially as humans. It's so much harder to talk about, but it's so important. So the question I have for you this week is how is your community slash ecosystem? How is your community slash ecosystem? Because I think if we are honest with ourselves, if we were doing an audit of it, I think we'd recognize that there are things that we need to improve upon, but there's also things that we are doing well. And I think if we were able to talk about it with people and being real about it, maybe more than just your household, I think we'd start finding that the ecosystem slash community that we have continues to grow. And the more that we do that, the healthier it gets for not only one, but all of us, because it allows us to open our eyes to the sins that we may or may not be recognizing, giving confidence to those who aren't necessarily able to feel confident bringing them out to maybe be in a position where they do feel confident talking about it. I think in a lot of ways, that's one of the things that we need to work on. Being able to expand that community, expand that ecosystem, to be able to hear the dangers that are potentially coming as we were told in Ezekiel to try to be doing. So maybe we can prevent some of these other things. And that might mean that we actually have some hard truths that we have to deal with, but we also have to recognize that in doing that, we are all healthier for it. Remember, we're from a creative God and we are creative people. So don't deny yourself the creativity to be able to move forward, no matter how hard that forward step may be. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.